What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. On June 28, we lost a Fitzroy champion, an assistant coach and an AFL recruiter who, via trade radio and various shows in more recent times, was a much-loved member of the SEN family. Matthew Rendell was a Lions captain and a lion-hearted ruckman, twice a club best and fairest and a dual All-Australian. Known as Bundy to his mates, and he had plenty of those, Rendell was a great footy person and a great bloke who was dedicated to the game and the family he has tragically left behind at just 64 years of age. Today, we pay tribute to a genuine and decent man, the late Matty Rendell. Two men who knew him as well as anyone, his longtime mate and former teammate, Scott Clayton, and his scouting protege and current Crows national recruiting manager, Hamish Ogilvie. Scotty, welcome to the program, and thanks for your time. Under difficult circumstances, we all wish were better. Firstly, how are you going? Oh, it's been a really tough week, obviously, when you're so close to someone for so long um, and we'd speak so regularly. Um, the shock of it all, um, you know, has not been missed on any of us. I suppose the beauty of all that is uh, is the fact that it's just brought together so many like-minded people who are, you know, genuinely sad and upset. And, and looking back at uh, the great friendship to all of us and the great time we had, certainly um, at Fitzroy when we first met, uh, we had something really special going on there. And, you know, we up to the stage now where we're sort of back to, you know, thinking and sort of with regard to those really good times. But, yeah, no, very sad period. When you've been a prominent player, an assistant coach, successful recruiter and been a part of the media, you're going to leave a big hole. So many people knew your great mate and the tributes have been wide and varied in recent days. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that comes out, everyone that uh, that, that, that knows or knew but Bundy or Matty, like he's just absolutely his qualities were extraordinarily good and and um it limited him in some ways because i mean he was just absolutely honest to a fault um he he just he just absolutely told it as it was and people totally respected that sometimes it gets you into in into into trouble but he was just he's so honest and he's just such a great teammate like now you get the I'm lucky I get the opportunity to interview some young 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 men that are on the cusp of an AFL career and often they'll always ask for some advice and the only advice I can give them is decide to be a good teammate and Matty was that and he was certainly he was certainly the glue that Fitzroy in the early 80s no doubt I mean he was he was the absolute standout leader he was your COVID walking buddy wasn't he uh, yeah, COVID certainly, not that we ever weren't really tight, but COVID did give us another lease of life, to be honest, that we all looked forward to and enjoyed. So we did, we started walking on a Sunday. Geographically, it was all pretty easy for us. We're all sort of Bayside, Melbourne. So yeah, that that, that, that was a great time, Sunday mornings, um, where we'd just walk with him and he'd tell us what to do and what we should think. It was brilliant. We'd just laugh and hit laugh and that no, was good with some great teammates. You know, Ross Thornton, Leon Harris, Laurie Serafini, Paul Roos, who's in the sanctum, a great, great man. Um, so, yeah, at times Mick Conlon. So, there, there's, um, 
that was really, we'd look forward to it. Come back in time with me, Scotty. So as a tagger, you crossed to Fitzroy from Tasmania before the 81 season. Now, at the same time, a big ruckman crossed to Fitzroy from Adelaide, Matt Rendell. Do you remember how you first met? Yeah, well, um, so the great Arthur Wilson had recruited both of us. Um, so um, no, uh, so we um, that, that organised a flat, I think it was called in those days, an apartment in uh, Alma Road, Caulfield North. So we lived there for a fair while, and and, and like I so said, we, we lived together for ten years. From the first moment, we had a real bond and um, common ground and common likes and stuff like that. So no, it was um, it was just an amazing, you know, coming together of been, been a lifelong friend who's best man at a wedding, and like just we've just been really really tight. So yeah, we. I remember, I mean, we got away to such a great start. And um, then we joined this fantastic organisation at that time. I mean, there was such a vibe at Fitzroy. The players were, the players were, well, there were a lot of good teammates. There's no doubt about that. But we trained really hard. Hard as anything that, that happens now. And um, and we challenged each other and it ended up being a great year that just fell short on a couple of times in regards to just, you know, perhaps winning one. He's recalled and remembered as Frank and Gregarious. Was this the bloke you met back then? Oh, absolutely. He's, he's him. He really is. No doubt. Generous and, um, yeah, and just um, generous and honest. Two great qualities. And the nickname, the famous American wrestler of the time, King Kong Bundy? Yeah, King Kong Bundy. There was one pre-season there just for a minute. He must have gone away and we just thought he was a little bit clump. So someone, it might, be, it might have been Nick Conlon, might have been, if I've given it credit to the wrong person. It'll be one of us in the inner sanctum, of course. And we've just, you know, we've just had fun. And there was, there was a very large wrestler called King Kong Bundy. And um, we coined the phrase and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it stuck. In his first year, he was actually deployed mainly as a full forward and he kicked 45 goals, 45-33. And yet, I'm not sure he overly enjoyed it there, did he? The, the ruck was his go? No, not really. I think, um, oh, look, one of the great leaders who I still think of often now is Ron Alexander, who was the, who was the ruck at that stage. He was a, he, he was a great teammate too and a beautiful man. Well, he is. He's still going in Perth and got a very high-level um, role in government there. He was a great leader too, and he'd just been replaced as captain. And um, and still, he was an amazing teammate. He was prepared to he was prepared to lose taps in the ruck because the opposition ruckman was hitting it down our throat. He didn't care about the stat to himself, and so um so Ron and I reckon just that one year, Ron was great for Maddie. I reckon it was a perfect scenario, really, to be honest. Young ruckman came in from Adelaide um, uh, with Ron for the year or so, and uh, Maddie could go forward. Um, and and he was such a when you look at the vision now. I mean, I heard someone on the radio talk, someone um, must have rung in a week ago. Who was a Carlton supporter that said Matt Rendell turned up and we'd never seen someone so life and athletic. I mean, he's running and bouncing the ball. I mean, the ruckmen of the, that era were, you know, they were great players, but they were not that. Um, and uh, they were, you know, they were, they, were, they were perhaps a bit more inside and, and big and funny. But Matty's athleticism at the time sort of broke me ground, I reckon. The one game that's recalled a lot is round 13, 1983. Now, you're Fitzroy up against Premiership Fancy North Melbourne at the Junction Oval. Now, Scotty, Matt hasn't kicked a goal in his last 16 games coming in, but he helps himself to eight and eight against Gary Dempsey, no less. And the Lions win by 150 points. 
I think it's one of the, well, certainly it's one of the most famous games of all time. I mean, one beats two by 150 points. I mean, it's just unheard of. Um, we were awesome that day. Absolutely awesome. Um, Matt, uh, in the old days, they had a, the son had a son score and, and Matt got the, the perfect 10. I don't think they gave away too many over that period. So every player they'd rate, they'd give a rating at the end of you know the, the weekend, and he scored a perfect ten. He did. He kicked eight. He, um, he was just awesome. That comes Rendell in the steps of goal, which he's brought around beautifully and put it through. Fine shot. The Rouge has done a darn good job out there on the wing position. Hand pass to Rendell. A long kick at the goal. I think he's putting his uh, fifth goal through. Yes, he has. And what a game he's playing. So on, on a great player, Gary Dempsey uh, um, was a really good player. But I mean, and I think a lot to do with that game too was also Wolsey's Robert Robert Wolsey's great strategy. Um, he was ahead of his time. And Matty would take a lot of centre square bounces and push forward, and then Bernie Quinlan would run on the ball, and it worked for everyone. It was a bit ahead ahead of its time. So I think Mick Conlon in that game playing on. I mean Keith Gregg a bit. I don't think he kicked the goal at half time and ended up kicking at least five in second half. It was just was an amazing game. He was made captain relatively young. That's normally a good indication. You're not only a key contributor to what's happening Siren to Siren, but made of the right stuff in general. Oh, he's honesty and he's and um and he he's competitive man. Um absolutely. Honest, competitive and um he's a good teammate and just um and he had a oh, like he's just his his beautiful manner had a way of bringing people together and and that along with um with Robert Walls and and, and some other great teammates we were just a good team we're actually a good club um absolutely yeah Robert Walls who appointed him skipper in 1985 remembered him as being one of those rare players who was aware of everyone else in the team Oh no! Yeah, no question. No, he had genuine care, absolute genuine care. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. And and um, yeah, he's, he'd sacrifice stuff for for others. And was he like that right up until the end, Scott? Like, did he keep or help keep some of uh, you Lions boys connected? Oh, absolutely. No, he he he. Like, like socially, he was so generous with his team. He would just love to catch up. Um, really would love to catch up, and without doubt, it, um, the conversation would go to to sport in general and more specific. Our great day in AFL footy. So, um, yeah, love love sport across the board. He had his fair share of injuries too, didn't he? Particularly towards the end of his time with Fitzroy. How was the body holding up just at the end? Yeah, he did. He um, like us all. We get old at the end, and. Um, he was he he um he had a his shoulders were gone. It's bloody hard to play ruck when you show, when you can't lift your arms above your head. Very difficult. Um, but he he fought on and um, sort of ended up in the one sixty games and played played a long time, eleven or twelve years at, at this level. Incredible effort. So yeah, no, like 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 most um, like most of us, none of us really get out unscathed at the end. Yes. Age gets us, or injuries, or the, or the, or, or just the, you know, the game style changes. But that was a hell of a career. Scotty, thanks for sharing some of your memories of Matt with us. We appreciate it. Really appreciate it, chatting. Thank you. You're listening to a special edition of This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. We're paying tribute to the late Matt Randell. We farewell Scott Clayton, and we bring in Hamish Ogilvie after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's great to have your company on a special edition of This Is Your Journey, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're reminiscing over the life of Matt Rendell with the help of former teammate Scott Clayton and now Adelaide Crows recruiting manager Hamish Ogilvie. Hamish, welcome and thanks a lot for your time. Thanks, Sam. Pleasure, mate. Well, the news hit everyone hard, didn't it? And as someone who worked closely with him for a fair period of time like you, I'd imagine it was you know very difficult news to hear. Yeah, it was sad. It was sad. In typical Matty fashion, he often joked about how he was the longest living Rendell male. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, very sad. We spent 10 pretty good years together. Just on that, how far back do you go and, and when did you meet? You were the former policeman from Tassie and you joined, I'm going to call it the Rendell Network at Adelaide. In When was that, 2006? Yeah, it was actually before that because I, I worked at Port Adelaide part-time when I was still coaching and playing. And that was my first sort of dealings with Matty. We covered a few games. When he was an assistant coach at Port, uh, we covered a TAC final series. I can remember we sat at the G and watched Stevie Johnson together. Right. So at the end of the years, when Matty was coaching, he came over and um, did some recruiting work for the coaches at Port. And then we, we came together again at the Crows when... Um, James Fantasia left and I'd been appointed as an Eastern recruiting manager. So I'd just finished coaching in Tassie and was moving back to Melbourne. And as I was packing the house up, I got a call from Matty saying uh, he was coming on board. And our, our great friend, Alan Stewart, who was a great mentor to me and someone that Matty was very close with, he sort of basically appointed both of us and we ended up working together at the Crows. What was he like to work with, Hamish? I mean, were there any similarities between he and maybe some of those hard-nosed and direct cops you worked with down in Tassie? He was always forthright. He was forthright. He was unbelievable, his game memory. And um, and I'll tell you a bit of a story about how good his memory was. So he would we, – we would do maybe three to five games on a weekend. I'd pick him up Friday night from the airport. We'd perhaps do a game Friday night. Then we'd do two or three games on the Saturday. I'd pick him up Sunday morning at the hotel and he'd say, hey, in the second game yesterday, remember that stoppage in the second quarter on the half-forward flank and these players were involved and the Ruckman hit it with this hand. And I'm, I'm flat out trying to remember which game he was talking about. <laughs> he had the most unbelievable photographic memory for things that happened in games. And I'm a note-taker and Matty was never a note-taker, but he had the most unbelievable memory for the way players moved and what happened in a game and why they did this and why they did that. And he just loved footy. He loved footy as much or more than anyone I've ever met. But I would take notes and check my notes and he would just go off the top of his head on what he'd seen and remembered. And one day him and Toby Green's the only other person I've ever seen with a a photographic footy memory like Matty. And they were together at the draft camp in, in an interview and it was something to see. They were both talking about which way the Ruckman's hand went, who was in the stoppage. And we're talking about games that were two months prior to the draft camp. And 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 Toby had a photographic memory for things that happened in game like Maddie did. And the two of them talked and asked questions. And Maddie would go, remember this stoppage? Who was in there? And it was became a bit of a game with him <laughs> and Toby about how good they could both remember what happened in the game. He was unbelievable, his memory in game. And, and he loved footy more than anyone.
See, that's fascinating. And I find the whole thing, so player ID, talent spotting, you know, psychological profiling, all the above, such a fascinating aspect of the game at, at Clubland where you work, Hamish. So what were Maddie's recruiting philosophies? Like, did he have a set of non-negotiables? How did he go about it acquiring players? He, he loved competitiveness, and we sort of inherited Aaron, Alan Stewart's model and method and philosophies around recruiting, and, and Stewie was close with us both. So we, we sort of inherited... His, but Matty was unbelievable with tools. I can remember he set me up one day. He said, I need to go to this school game. There's a school from South Australia playing in Melbourne against Melbourne. Graham. Go down there and just see what you, what you can find. And I didn't know any of the South Australian kids. But little did I know that Phil Davis was going to play in the game. And uh, Matty loved Phil Davis. He already had him pegged as our first pick. And this is like March or April while I'm watching this game. And I, I rang him at halftime. I said, this, this kid, it's an halfback. And he's marked everything in sight. He said, his name's not Phil Davis, is it? And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. He goes, that's the bloke we're going to pick first pick at the end of the year. And uh, I, I had no idea he'd set me up. And a little bit I know Phil played a brilliant game and he ended up being a, a good player for South Australia and he got injured later in that year, but we still picked him. Matty had him pegged about March or April that he was going to be our first pick. He loved Phil Davis. Phil was one of his favourites. I'm glad you spoke about Phil Davis and favourite. So I wanted to ask you, and I've got a few names here, what were some of the picks that he and you guys are most proud of? And the one that jumps out that got a, a ton of publicity at the time, given it was somewhat controversial, was Patrick Dangerfield in 2007, given the fact that you took him over the SA, favourite son really in Brad Ebert, and that was very much against the tide at the time, wasn't it? Or I guess the local narrative? Well, it was, and we probably... The, the, we, the, the jury's out. I've spoken to Pat about this. He thinks Matty might have told him, but we never ever told a player that we were going to pick them. The only player we ever told was Phil Davis. Matty said, look, if, you, if you're there at our pick, I think it was about 10, we'll pick you because he knew we had Phil ranked two on our list. So um, we're going to pick him. And we were pretty much always going to pick Paddy. I don't ever remember us telling him we we're going to pick him, but but we certainly told the coach. Um, I, I won't forget Paddy said and actually interviewed us and told us at the draft camp what he was going to do, that he was going to stay at school. Matty knew all that because Matt and I had been down to feds and we probably made the decision pretty early. Pat was our man, even though he wasn't having a great year. We loved the fact that he made mistakes, but he kept on he kept on trying things. Um, so they are two that really stand out. And the Sloan one, we should have picked yeah. him the year earlier. We, we made a big blue. We, we took the risk that he might get there the next year and um, we probably listened to some coaches and stuff and didn't, and didn't pick him. Um, and we had to ride it out for a year. They're, they're probably the three favourite picks. And the Callanan pick, after a while, I annoyed Matty that much that he said, righto, we can, you can do it. I remember watching the South Australian Grand Final in a pub in, in, um, in Melbourne um, back when there was hardly ever a live stream. And I said, Matty, come on, we've got to pick him now. He goes, righto, I'll let you pick him. So we picked him as a rookie. But <laughs> the Sloan pick, we had to ride it out for a year. And I can remember days we'd be at the Eastern Ranges and we wouldn't stand together. And I'd look over and he'd be laughing his head off when Sloaney got the ball or had three centre clearances in a row. Um, but it was a nerve-wracking wait. We had to wait a year. We sort of mucked that one up. We should have picked him the year earlier. Had to wait a year and a couple of rounds. He didn't take him till 44. No, nah, because Matty loved the tools. And um, I think that was a tools draft and he had all the tools lined up. He was unbelievable at picking tools. He could work them out. And uh, this bloke, even though he's forward now, he'll be a back and... We had pretty good luck with the tall backs. We didn't really need Daniel Talia, but um, at the time, turned out later we needed him big time. And um, yeah. he loved he loved Daniel. Um, we'd seen him kick goals as a forward player, as a midfield, but Matty always had him pegged 
as a key defender, and he, he played 200 games. It was a pretty good pick. And just while we're on the subject of picks before we leave it and players, the one he, he loved, I know he spoke about right up until the, the end, basically, was the Rory Laird pick. That, that, was a, that was a big one for him, I think. Yeah, that was his pick. He, he, was, he was really good to the South Australian kids late in the draft and rookies. He pretty much gave, always gave a couple of South Australian kids a go as rookies. Mm. Um, we gave Ed Curnow a try. It didn't quite work out. He went back to Melbourne and had a great career. We both did love Ed Curnow. He, he loved the Curnows and um, he got on really well with Ed's dad and we did a lot of interviews with Ed. It was a shame that he didn't end up playing his 200 games for the Crows. But even some boys that didn't end up making you know, like he gave Timmy Malira a go, who was really, really talented. He, he often gave the South Australian kids a chance as a rookie and Laird is his pick, no one else's. Um, he was the one who saw it and, and uh, it worked it out and we sort of had to hang on a bit there because he trained at Essen and we were worried they were going to pick him. But um, yeah, he loved Roy Laird. It was a great pick. Amish, I don't want to dwell on this at all, but obviously Matty's departure in 2012, your ascension to the top job, if you like, would have been difficult, I'd imagine, given the controversial circumstances of the time for, for you both, I, I suppose. Yeah, it was. It was difficult and disappointing how it played out because that's not that, you know, some of how he was portrayed and what was happening, what some people said wasn't true. So, yeah, it was very disappointing. I didn't want to take the job that way. And it was it was sad that we... We didn't get to work together, but Derek Hine gave him a chance at Collingwood and, and he had some great years there and we still got to spend a fair bit of time together. So, um, yeah, he had a great track record. But, yeah, that was really disappointing how that played out. Hey, Mish, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, mate. Okay, thanks. Really appreciate the chance to talk about him. We're going to have uh, Matty's Monday. He's going to be forever. The Monday of the under-16 Nationals is going to be his night. So the guys had a meeting Monday night and we had a couple of beers and worked out that we're going to call it Maddie's Monday um, uh, for forever going forward. Beautiful. That's a beautiful touch. Here with This Is Your Journey, it's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. You can find them online, tobinbrothers.com.au. Maddie Rendell sat down with Peter Donegan in 2019 for an episode of This Is Your Sporting Life. We'll drop into that chat next. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's special edition of This Is Your Journey. All thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. And we are doing just that with the late Matt Rendell, who caught up with Peter Donegan for This Is Your Sporting Life back in 2019. We have this perception of Fitzroy, poor old Fitzroy, that eventually in the 90s they succumbed to all of the financial woes that they had. But you were a really good football team in the middle of the 80s and could have easily won a premiership. I was very lucky again. I spoke about Neil Curley having him as a a coach. Robert Walls came in to coach me at the perfect time. So this was his first year, was uh, my first year, so 1981. He wasn't the first choice, so Peter. I don't know if people would remember this, but when I said I was coming over, they said, we've got Alan Jeans to coach us. And I said, oh, well, that'll be good. He's got a good record. <laughs> By the time I got there, it changed to Robert Walls and <laughs> Alan Jeans made a very, very smart decision and went to Hawthorne and won four, four odd flags there. But Walsey was fantastic. Uh, so people ask me what he was like. I go... Hard but fair. Uh, Wolsey was a school teacher, but he really understood the psychology of the player. And that comes through in a, in a lot of the good coaches. Uh, Grant Thomas was a genius at it. 
um, really understood the psychology of the player, what made them tick, what they needed to hear, uh, what they didn't need to hear, keep it simple, keep it short. And the other thing he was really good at, he he got the players, so this is way before leading teams and Ray McLean, he got the players to take ownership. So, look, we didn't know what sort of team we had in 81, but we but after they after 80, when they, were, they had a disaster and finished last, I think. But, you know, it all sort of came together in 81. So this was the year that um, Essendon won about 15 in a row and when Neil Danner, who was on fire, and they lost their first six, I think, Essendon. Stormed into the finals. We were sort of up there the whole year. I think the Carlton's and Collingwood's Geelong might have been on top at the time. We played Essendon in the first final at Waverley, and like we were massive underdogs. Well, Bernie Quinlan and Gary Wilson were, were outstanding. Clark grabbed by Randall. Dropping the ball. There's a tap for the uh, Lions to go further in front. Well, the Fitzroy crowd are going mad at the moment. And Big Rendell hasn't had many kicks up to this stage. This is kick number one for the match so far. There's the distance. Oh, the big fella's got to kick this one. This will make them really jump, Fitzroy. It'll boost their morale no end. Let's see what he can do with this one. Only about uh, 15 metres out, directly in front. Runs in, fires. Umpire doesn't even move. It's a goal to Fitzroy. Gonna run into trouble, gets a hand pass over to uh, Wilson. Wilson's clear, it's a left foot snap for goal. He's put it through. It's going number two to Wilson. And what a game we've got on the hand. We rolled him, so they lost Danaher, I think, the week before, or might have been the week before that. Who was who was playing super footy, and uh, everyone went out there to watch them win, and we rolled them. And I think a few of the other clubs were happy we did that. The following week, we played Collingwood um, MCG, and uh, they were eight up at half time, eight not eight points, eight goals. And we got back in front by ten points at about the thirty-two minute mark mm-hmm. of that game. They ended up kicking two late goals the last two minutes. So the go- oh, the game went. I mean, it was high scoring, but it. It was, uh, you know, went 34, 35 minute mark in the last quarter. We lost by point. We were pretty confident of playing. We liked our chances against Geelong, so that's who Collingwood played. Collingwood beat Geelong out of Waverley uh, after that. Then they got, um, obviously, beaten by Carlton. Carlton had made their way straight through. So that we were a chance that year. Probably didn't think of it. we were ready for it. But in hindsight, given mm. the fact that you lost by a point, was yeah. that the closest that you would have No, come? no, the closest was... Uh, was 83. So the next year we had a different start to the year. Stormed home, missed the finals by half a win. Disappointing year to tell the truth. Couldn't, can't put my finger on it, anything in particular there that year uh, other than we had a poor start. I don't, I don't know why, but I had a poor start that year too. Played really well in the second half, but I was probably in line with everyone else to tell the truth, Pete. So the next year we had a we had a, we had had a a great year and we were on top for various, various periods of time. Dropped a couple late, finished third. Okay, uh, I think North were on top. Uh, we'd beaten North by 10 goals and 20 goals at both games that year, so we were confident about them. We, our first game we played was Hawthorne. Now, this is when injuries can cruel you because Laurie Sherafini was our key back and was a star. Last game of the year, last 10 minutes of the game, I think it was against Richmond, he, he did a hammy and came out. So we really didn't have a proper replacement for him. And in the final against Hawthorne, we had Sticks Laurie, who shouldn't have really been playing on Peter Knights, and Glenn Coleman, who could but probably wasn't suited to their best player, was Knights. Knights kicked six. Now, Bernie kicked eight, five in the last quarter. We went down by four points, and the, 
any of the listeners out there will remember, that's the controversial game where they gave the little bit out of bounds against Michael Nettlefold mm. and, and virtually the umpire let Tuck kick the ball from straight in front. No, he, not quite, but he got a massive, he should have been on the boundary line. He was in about 10, 15 metres and kicked the goal. We lost by four points. And the next week, uh, we had to play a rampaging incident. This is when they were the menacing incident. This is when they were smashing everyone. Physically crazy side. That you, I mean, uh, just to name a few, Ronnie Andrews was playing. Rene Kink was playing back then. Uh, Terry Dano, he was half mad, Terry, when he was going. Uh, Stan Carey, seven or eight, really. Oh, Roger Merritt. We but we were in front by seven points at three-quarter time in a physically bruising game. Gary Sidebottom did his knee in the first quarter. Like, he needed to Rico and kept playing. But we got run over in the last quarter by four goals. But in that game, we had to play Graham Hinchin, who was a small back on Terry Danner. <laughs> Because that's how light on we were for key backs. So, and he, Terry had a good game, kicked three or four, and was probably the difference, you know, in the end. So, that injury to Laurie Serafini really hurt us that year because mm. uh, he would have played on the Danaher, he would have played on the Knights, and it was hard, damn hard to get a kick on him. And that hurt us big time. That was our chance. In 86, look, we fell into the, the top under David Park and fell into the, uh, the five, I think it was there, but we had to, once again, we played Essendon and, uh, in bucketing rain out at Waverley, one by a point, a fam- famous game. Yeah, Mickey uh, Collin. Mick- Mickey Collin, he got his ass pulled, uh, pants pulled down by Michael Thompson for the whole game. Had about three kicks or something, didn't he? Yeah, lucky. And uh, <laughs> uh, Leon Harris never gets any credit for that. Uh, Ruzi doesn't get any credit either. Ruzi laid a tackle. That was rare. Back up towards the wing position. Common overruns it. Mick Thompson's grab, but doesn't matter. Hurd gets a hurried kick. It doesn't travel very far. But this will suit Eston. Uh, Richardson ran into a brick wall. He's lost out of time on the ball. And the Fitzroy side have still got a chance as the ball comes down there now. Harris dodges. He's clear. Goes for the long kick. If they get a goal here, conlon has got it. He could kick a goal to put him in front. He has. Oh, they're in front. By a point. By a point. And they might have won the game here. The following week we played uh, Swanee, so Swanee's were all the flavour of Jared Healy yeah. um, and uh, Greg Williams and the like back then, and we rolled them by five. Quinlan. And then we had to play Hawthorne in the plenary and we were absolutely knackered. And we fell in there. We kicked the first three goals of the game in that game. We ended up losing by nine, but we would have had to play Carlton in the final, I think it was. We would have lost eight players out of that plenary final. We wouldn't have come up the next week. It would have been a disaster. So I think we did everyone a favour not winning. It would have been the worst grand final in history. But 83 was the one that Laura, uh, the Laura Serafini won. But uh, really competitive all the way through. Mm. 84, we had a mountain of injuries. We were 5-11. and 11. Peter, uh, injuries can kill you. Uh, we had a mountain of them. Five and eleven, we sent out Leon Harris, Mickey Conlon, Scotty Clayton for uh, operations that finished the year right at that time. Brought in some kids who hadn't played 
we won six in a row and scraped into the final. Uh, level with Collingwood at, in, a, in the final at uh, three-quarter time, got done by ten. We were just hanging on for dear life that year. But good experience for the young blokes. When you've got a body as big as yours was, how did you go towards the end of your career? Was the body just holding together? Well, uh, when I retired, it was really easy. I was knackered. So, you know, some people have still got something in the tank. I had zero. I was in minus territory, I think. I had a lot of back-related hamstring problems. Would you get them so much today? Probably not, because you'd have more time to get looked after. But you didn't have a heap of time back then. You know, when you trained and you worked, and oddly enough, Pete, I had hotels for four years back then. They were the four years where I had my best years. And, you know, looking back, I know why. I was on my feet all day. My body became resilient. I wish I'd had them for 10 years. So I had a lot of back hamstring problems. I had to deal with that. thigh problems, I reckon, are all back-related. It was always an issue, the back. But I was lucky with knees and ankles. I dislocated the shoulder. Billy Brownrus buried me into Princess Park one day um, off a terrible handle from Billy Loken. And... Not that you hold a grudge or anything no, against Billy. No, Billy, Billy. It went way behind me. I just, uh, so <laughs> um, I had to turn around, and by that time, Billy just buried me into the turf. I dislocated him and had a Rico on that, missed the last four games of the year. That 80, 84 year, I missed the six games in the in the early part of the year. I dislocated my other shoulder, but I didn't need a Rico on that. Other than that, I just had to manage back hamstring type stuff. But 91 was my last year at Fitzroy. It was my last year of my contract. So why uh, did you go to Brisbane? You went to Brisbane for one year. Was that basically yeah. for Wolsey's sake? It, it was. So Scotty Clank was doing, um, who's my best mate, uh, rang me about, do you want to play another year? So I kept running and doing bits of stuff. I just wanted to keep fit. You know, after I felt so much better after a month off. Anyway, he said, we've got no ruck on it. We've got a young bloke up here, um, Coco Miller. I'm trying to think of his first name. Big, bruising, uh, lump of a kid, uh, competitive kid. He said, but we got no one else who can play in the ruck up here. Can you come up and give us a hand? Well, basically, it went like that. So I said, yeah, okay. I said, I I'm not sure I got a whole year, but I'll, I got a fair whack, I reckon. So I did my thigh up there when I got up there. I missed the first eight games of the year, played the last 13, but it was funny in another practice match. So all the when I got up there, they were all raving about Coco Miller. I remember this, uh, how good he was, and he looked fantastic at training. So we in our first practice match, I played on Coco Miller and kicked his ass. <laughs> They're all deflated. I'll give you a spell, will you? I said, what about me? I really, really enjoyed that year. i glad I went. So this is the year after the Strempel stuff. Um, he, he cleaned out a lot of the players that were there. He got a, started to get a good bunch of kids in. In three years' time, you blokes are going to make the finals. And they look at me, come on, give some break. Three years' time, they made the finals. Mm-hmm. So who was playing then at the time? So Daryl White. You just stood back and watched him train. It was just magnificent. Michael Voss came in and played as a 16-year-old. So he kicked 16 goals in one of the Division Two games of the under-18 champs and then played for us the next week. <laughs> played on the wing on Johnny Blakey. Had about 27 and kicked three. I think Johnny was barred then. I think Johnny ended up at North after that game, end of that year. I played at full forward ruck and Rod Owen played full forward and kicked eight on Lynchy. Alistair Lynch. Mm. Uh, he was a talent, Rod Owen. Sadly, didn't get to see the best of him. He was a super talent. We're talking all things Matty Rendell on This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, who can be found online at tobinbrothers.com.au. There's more to come after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. 
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on a special edition of This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. We are celebrating the life of a Fitzroy champ, an assistant coach, a list manager, and a much-loved member of the SEN family, the late Matt Rendell. Here's more from Matt's chat with Peter Donigan's This Is Your Sporting Life in 2019. So I used to have to write a page on recruiting, and uh, the year I picked Brody Smith at about 13 or 14, I opened with... Uh, Joe Bloggs from up the road could have picked Brody Smith. <laughs> uh, that's the, they're the easy ones. But look, I talk about influence a lot. And sometimes influence isn't easy to see. Rory Sloan went 44 in that draft, and I thought his influence in games was huge. Not a big possession getter, awkward kick, still is. But every time he got it, there was a little knock-on or a little deft handball or a you know, kick a goal when you need one, and he had massive influence, and that's carried through. Brody Grundy, I didn't do that. I wasn't here doing That was a year I was out of footy, but I did some stuff with the, the South Australian state team at the time, and so I got to know Brody really well. So I watched a lot of his games, and I, and I did the stuff the year before. So I was a bottom major, and then there was a top major in the draft. At the end of, you know, in his draft year, I've gone, he's the most influential player in the comp in the draft, but you've got to really look at his ruck work and you've got to say, how much do you value the follow-up? How much do you value his pressure? Um, how much do you value when the game's on the line, how good he was? And clearly not a lot of, enough people <laughs> saw that because mm. uh, he went up pick 18. Um, now, I know they say, they like to say with the ruckman, oh, do we want, we've got to have this bloke for four years. What if we have him for four years and he's no good? That's what happens with the ruckman. So they tend to, if you take the ruckman out of it, they tend to say, well, all right, if we miss one, too bad. But, it, you know, in two years' time, if it's looked like he's tracking OK, we'll revisit. Unfortunately, for the big blokes, that's the way it is. But I always talk about, uh, so the really important bits, a lot of people, everyone can see the talent. The really important bits I, I talk to people about is influence. Not as hard, not as easy to see. You've got to really watch a bloke. I mean, you've got to take the whole game out of it and watch him and what he's doing. Who's he talking to? His leadership, direction. Phil Davis was a cracker when I watched him play early days and I'm watching him and I'm going or you're going to captain a club you are. Because I just watched him for a whole game and watched him direct people. Talk, he wasn't the best player by a mile, but you could tell he had. And then when you interview him, he's smart as a whip, and you go, well, he's going to influence players. So I know I'm talking about I'm pumping my own tyres up, talking about blokes I picked, but that's that's what I, uh, and there's don't worry, there's plenty of misses. So that influence stuff is really watching a player and what they do. You've got to be, be, be prepared to stop watching the game to be able to do that. And also the interview process and the psychological stuff is critical. And now they do a raft of tests. Right, look, I, I pay attention to them, but the interview process is the most important process. And doing your homework around the interview. Oh, I need to speak to his teacher. I need to speak to teammates. I need to speak to opposition. You know, there's a lot of groundwork you do outside the player that the players wouldn't know about. And that's crucial to get a, a really good snapshot of, is this bloke going to handle the training? Is he going to be resilient? Uh, how badly does he want to play? What's his motivation? All that sort of thing. They all got different motivations. There's a you know, on a particular pay, you do a stack of work on them because you, you need to get it right. As we've seen, Peter, over the years, you can stuff your old club if you have a couple of bad drafts. I'm going to claim Tex Walker, though. He was a New South Wales scholarship holder. Yeah. But uh, he was signed about a month before I started at the Crows that year, and um, 
obviously with those scholarship holders, what you did was you, you just called their name out last pick of the draft. Well, Tex came down to play a game with Central Districts in the under-18s from Broken Hill, where he was from. First time I saw him, Daryl Hart used to look after these kids, any of the uh, scholarship holders anyway. I went to the footy with him. Well, Tex was deplorable, really. Really? <laughs> two possessions, didn't compete. I said, this is going to be... I said, Hardy, keep your eye on him. But I said, I think we're wasting our time here <laughs> with Tex Walker. <laughs> then I saw him play mid-year in a game they played. It was actually at the end of the year they played uh, Geelong College in Broken Hill right he kicked nine I've gone oh wow and he did play he did have a reasonable carnival under 18s but he kicked nine against I said I went back and I said who's this bloke playing for Geelong College I don't know anything about I said gee he can play and this was the last game of the season so I never saw him play the whole year Easternwood was his name and I've gone so we go to the the, uh, you come up to the uh, draft and uh, Scotty Clayton from Western Bulls that calls out Eastern Wood and I've gone, oh, well, I saw him play, but no one else saw him play. <laughs> so they were obviously down watching him all that time. So after he after that season, so we called him out pick 75, I think it was, Tex. Yeah. And hasn't he been a great player for them? No doubt. Did he have the mullet back then as well? Oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, he was a real country kid. A lad. Yeah, he was a real lad. He, he came in and he got a photo of himself and framed it and put it up in my office. <laughs> but <laughs> Just... a bloke called Mark Ross found him. Yeah. They used to play games all over New South Wales in Griffith, of all places. Unbelievable. Known for uh, its marijuana growing <laughs> uh, <laughs> place, uh, more so than anything. But uh, he found him in Griffith and they signed him straight away before anyone else can go hold of him. Just before we go, Matt Rendell was essential and entertaining listening on AFL Trade Radio right here on SEN. Now, at times, yes, his theories were left field, but at other times, he was frighteningly accurate. Let's have a listen to a few of those brilliant predictions, starting with his assessment of how Collingwood would fare in 2022, just days after Craig McRae was appointed coach in September 2021. I think this is a really quick rebound. I'm going to pick him to make the eight next year. I think they'll, their game brand or the way they play is going to be really quick and they're going to move the ball and you, these forwards won't know themselves. Nick Dacos is uh, father-son for Collingwood next year. Well, he's as good as junior as I've seen play the game. He played... Hang on, hang on. Just, can Ra- I just back over that? So the younger son of the great mm-hmm. Dacos Peter. is the best... Peter Dacos is the best player well, you've seen right come through. There. He's right up there. Well, we're going to have a crack at the top ten. I spoke to a couple of people. I reckon it'll be close. GWS will take Cadman. Yeah. Uh, North will call out Ascroft two. Yeah. So Brisbane will take him. North will then take Wardlaw and Sheasel with their first two picks. Yeah. So, now Essendon's always the confusing one. So I got a feeling they'll probably go Sardis. Uh, then Jake Gold Coast Suns will go Humphrey. Now there was talk Hawks were going to take Clark, the giant Clark that Geelong was super keen on. Mm. and we're desperate for that pick seven to take him, but I believe they're going to take McKenzie, Cameron McKenzie. That means Geelong get their man, Jai Clark. So that, that leaves West Coast. They'll be ecstatic because they get Gimby. St Kilda take whoever Essendon don't. So Philippe could spill right down to that pick 10. Well, Matt Randell was the Lions captain with a heart the size of a lion. A star as a player, he also left an indelible mark on the game as an assistant coach, recruiter, and most of all, as a refreshing, full-of-life pundit who wasn't scared to adopt the contrary view. Matthew Randell, rest in peace. You will be missed. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.